What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. Oh my gosh, it has been an insane week. I know I say that every week, but this week has been particularly... How shall we say it? Fun. <laughs> lots of things going on over here. I know you have lots of things going on over there, Amy. You can. You want to talk about uh, what you've been working on behind the scenes while you're trying to listen to all this music? <laughs> the building that I work in has been kind of closed. We haven't had regular hours since like before COVID and finally get to reopen this week. I'm so ready and also so terrified that I've forgotten something, but we're not going to talk about that. It's been incredibly busy, but at least this was actually a fairly good week for music. Actually, you know, it, it has, it was a really good week for music, uh, surprisingly. I mean, surprisingly in some ways, I guess, because there are a couple artists we're going to be talking about that we were already familiar with. We know their work in a lot of ways, so we knew, I mean, I guess I, I guess I should include and say we, because, but I knew with a couple of these artists what I was going to get going into it, because, uh. A couple of these artists, you know, we've listened to one of the, like, one of these artists' numerous albums, and then another artist, I mean, he's just famous, so I don't want to get into that too much yet, because we do have a little bit of news to talk about. I mean, on a personal note, I have some dental work and all kinds of fun things coming up, but, so that's been a challenge this week to try to listen to some of this music, but... Not as bad as of a challenge as, like, uh, what, Bruce Willis. I don't know if anyone out there has heard the news. I'm sure a lot of you have. Bruce Willis, I mean, famous actor for many movies. I mean, I'm not going to go into his catalog. He's, he's, a, he's a really good actor. But he has been diagnosed with dementia. So that's really sad to hear because, I mean, a really good actor. Like I said, I mean, action superstar. But... And, I mean, a funny actor as well at times. I mean, yeah. I, I remember on Moonlighting, that's probably the first time I saw uh, Bruce Willis was with uh, Sybil Shepherd on Moonlighting. So I don't know exactly what year. And he may have done things before that, but that's just the first thing I remember. And then, of course, you have Die Hard and everything. I'm not going to get into that. Like, I mean, his, his, you know, he did, pretty, you know, he was in a lot of movies. So, you know, really sad to hear that. It seems like a lot of the, uh, you know, these uh, actors and celebrities uh, <laughs> that I heard or heard and listened to, like these uh, musicians, we're having a lot of uh, people passing away lately. It must be like we're getting old or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm the younger sister. Yeah, I know. But you're still not going to be able to stop time. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> You know, on a more somber note, we have been going over, you know, these celebrity deaths. Just, you know, just to basically give one last shout out maybe to to someone, you know, or something like that. I'm not going to give any kind of eulogy or anything. But we did have numerous deaths this week. Last week, I think we only had one. Yeah. But this week, I mean, <laughs> quite a few. I'm just going to go through this list real fast. On February 12th, David Jude Jolicoeur 
He was a rapper from De La Soul. He was 54. He passed away. Uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, we lost Jerry Jarrett. He was 80. Um, I don't know. He's not music, but he was a professional wrestling promoter, uh, celebrity. I mean, he's been on a few things with the WWE Network. They've been doing some, I guess, behind the scenes. Like They'll talk about, I can't remember the name of the the uh the program something about behind the territories i think but they talk about old stories behind the scenes because i mean even if you're not interested in professional wrestling per se some of the crazy things that happened outside or you know in, in behind the scenes and outside of that business some of those stories are funny and frightening at the same time so it was, that's a good show to actually listen to or, or watch. I always say listen to because that's all I do is listen to music. But, yeah, that's a really good show. But, yeah, Jerry Jarrett was involved with the National Wrestling Alliance, and he was involved with uh, the CWA, which was Memphis Wrestling, and um, Memphis Wrestling um, Jerry Lawler. Actually, I forgot about to mention that at the top of the program as well. He had a stroke, and he was in, in intensive care, I believe he's doing better now, but uh, I haven't heard any update on that. So hopefully, you know, Jerry Lawler is able to kick out, <laughs> use that professional wrestling term and be corny about it. But yeah, we, we did lose Jerry Jarrett on Valentine's and we also lost Tim Amar. He was a metal singer with the band Pharaoh. He was 59. You know, we haven't went through any of his stuff yet, but um, I believe he's Canadian. I may be wrong about that. But the, the band Pharaoh, I cannot remember. I, I believe they're Canadian. But, um, yeah, we did lose him. I, I don't know the actual cause of death of some of these individuals. But I'm, I don't really want to delve too much into that. Uh, February the 15th, we lost Raquel Welch. I'm sure everyone knows Raquel Welch. I mean, she was 82. She was an actress famous for... Many, many of these, uh, the people that listen to this music, they, I'm sure they had that 1 million BC poster. So I'm sure that was, uh, but yeah, uh, she was a pretty good actress though. And then I did not realize this next person I'm going to talk about was involved with so many themes, I guess I would say. On February the 17th, we lost Gerald Freed. He was 95. He was an American composer, but I said many themes. I mean, he can he composed music for television series from the 60s and 70s, stuff like Mission Impossible, Gilligan's Island, The Man from Uncle, Shotgun Slade, Roots, and last but not least, Star Trek, the theme from Star Trek. So, you know, I was I was amazed to read, you know, so many different things, but that was I was sad to hear that. And then finally, the last one that I have, February 19th, we lost Richard Belzer. He was 78. He was with uh, a, a few different programs. I remember him over the years. Um, Law & Order SBU was the big show I think everyone remembers him from. I remember him because he had a, I guess, a late night talk show. I think it was late night. But he uh, had... Hulk Hogan and Mr. T on. So this is around the, this would have been the 80s. This is when Hulk Hogan and Mr. T were 
doing the the rock and wrestling i believe thing and um yeah so you know like the, the memories do come back sometimes i listen to too much music it pushes a lot of the other things out i think but um i remember richard belzer don't want to speak ill of the dead but he was a little bit smug about how fake professional wrestling is and yes it's predetermined but everyone can come at me it's not fake and richard belzer learned that day that it's not fake because he asked hulk hogan to just put a hold on him and he was being smug about it and i mean hulk hogan at the time was you know roided out huge largest arms in the world and all he did was just cinch his arms and put a face lock on richard belzer for i mean five seconds not even five seconds and he was out he put him to sleep and belzer fell and cracked his head on the the floor so it was pretty bad and you, i mean that happened on that that television show bam and you hear his head bam off the floor he come come they come back and he's got blood on his head we'll come back you know we'll be back and he sued hulk hogan for quite a bit of money so i think uh he has a house or something wherever he built it he used that money and, and named it like chateau hogan or something like that so i guess that's kind of funny but yeah he was pretty smug but well but uh yeah but i love detective munch though yeah i think that pretty much was him as a person as well but we're not here to talk about law and order svu we're here to talk about some albums as we always do and like you said at the top of the program it was a really good week for music i was uh wasn't surprised with a few of these artists like i said before we we've already we're already familiar with some of these groups and individual artists but i'm just gonna start with i guess the first album we had was what the temptations masterpiece the album came out february 21st of 1973 and i don't know in the number you know the list of number of albums this is album what 15 (laughs) i don't know (laughs) The Temptations. Probably more than that. Oh my goodness! I mean, they've had a lot, but we missed. I, th- I think we missed the album with uh, when they reworked "Papa Was a Rolling Stone," and it's a classic. But I mean, we've listened to so many Temptations albums, and you know, typically they're good. I mean, a lot of times I think we got burned out on that sound because. There were so many albums in, what, 70 and 71? The Temptations may have had, like, six albums just right then. Maybe maybe more. I don't know. But there were a lot. And it took me a while to just step away. I had to step away from The Temptations for a little bit. Now, I'm going to say it right off the bat. This album, I don't consider this really a Temptations album. I don't, I don't know. Uh, this is Norman Whitfield. This is a Norman Whitfield and uh, I can't remember the backing group right now. It's like, is it like the Funketeers? <laughs> it's something uh, like Funk that. Brothers. The Funk Brothers, yeah. Well, Funketeers would be good, though. But yeah, um, <laughs> anyone, anyone out there listening, we need to bring that back. But um, I'm not going to go through the personnel list. I mean, those, I mean, you can get on Wikipedia. It is an extensive list of different, you know, artists for all the different instrumentation on this album but norman whitfield was the producer i mean he's he's been the producer for a while he re he helped the temptations 
have a resurgence, resurgence with their career. I would say that. But I would also say I'm surprised this is a single album because I don't know if you could fit Norman Whitfield's ego on one LP. But uh, he is good, but you can tell he is a, thinks very highly of himself because this is Norman Whitfield's masterpiece featuring The Temptations. But that being said, it's a good album. Anything with Norman Whitfield's going to be involved with it's going to be, you know, what, three and a half stars at least. <laughs> That's where I would start with it. And it, you can go up from there. Anything with The Temptations is going to be around that and usually better. I mean, we have four star plus. So I knew as soon as I saw this, it was going to be good. I talked about it last week. It's not as good as I thought it was going to be, though. I will say that. Um, a lot of people did complain about this album, actually, to The Temptations, that they weren't on it enough. Because there are, there are lots of musical breaks and interludes throughout here. I mean, I, I I understand the tone. I know what Norman Whitfield was trying to do. He's trying to paint the picture of life in what the like the Los Angeles. No, no, is that uh, no? They're originally from what Detroit and stuff. Yeah, Motown. Okay, so Motown. But um, I think he's just trying to be general with it about the the ghetto lifestyle, growing up in the ghetto, and you know how things are hard. And the, the struggles and the challenges you face. And how we need to try to love one another. You know, all those themes throughout this. And honestly, he may have had a movie in mind. Trying to do something with it. Because I can see a lot of the... Uh, he's trying to paint a picture. So I, I, I can appreciate that. I can. But... I mean, I can go... I honestly could go track by track on this album. Because there's not that many songs. The album opens up with Hey Girl, I Like Your Style. It's a good, I would say it is a prototypical temptation song. It, it Actually, though, it sounds a little bit older. It doesn't sound like like they needed maybe needed to move forward a little bit into the future because it is 73. This sounds like something that came out in the 60s to me. Still good, but it does sound a little bit dated. But I liked it. I do. I do like it. And then you go into the only other song on side one, which is Masterpiece. I mean, it's not it's not a masterpiece. It's good, but it's too long. It's you know, and you usually I can listen to long songs, but this thing just goes on and on and on. It's like thirteen, almost fourteen minutes long. It's just it's just too long. I, I could I can't imagine having this on vinyl. And I mean, you just had to put it on and just do whatever else. You, I wouldn't be able to just sit there and listen to this numerous times on a vinyl. So, and that's it for side one, <laughs> because you have such a long track with masterpiece, which masterpiece would be better suited to a, the backdrop behind, a movie. So, but then um, side two, you go into Maw. I actually like Maw. You're talking about having a. Um, I guess a hillbilly, like a really a country mother, and growing up in that fashion. So yeah, I like it. I like the uh, there's some guitar in that, which I thought was really nice. So I think that that song was pretty good. Uh, Law of the Land. That's an, uh, one of those songs I was talking about. The theme of harmony and trying to 
accept one another and live, to, you know, times are hard. We need to come together, that kind of thing. Plastic Man, it's, they're trying to be, it's, he's trying to bring one of the classics back. Like, uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone. He's, uh, it's, I think he's trying to reimagine, not reimagine that, but he's trying to go with that hook, the same lead up and everything. I did not like that, whatever sound they used for the Plastic Man. It's, I think it's harmonica. I, I hated it. It, it. it it brings me out of it every time when they do that. It's right in the middle of everything. So and, and for to be a good producer, I didn't feel this album was. I don't think the production's as great as some of the previous work. And then finally, their um, the last song on the album is "Hurry Tomorrow." It's only it only is involved uh, Damon Harris, one singer in this song with. Uh, I think the Temptations are just uh, like saying hurry tomorrow in the background a little bit. Um, <laughs> I actually like this song. It's about Damon Harris. I, I don't know if it's true, if it's like a biographical thing, but it's in a, about one night and he took hallucinogenic drugs. I'm assuming acid. I don't know. And it's at that period of time. So I'm assuming, but it's... Uh, <laughs> talking about man hurry and get up here because they tell him it'll be over tomorrow so he's like hurry tomorrow so i think he's he's not having a good time so because at the beginning when they're trying to give it to him he's like no nah, that ain't me man see so he, he uh gave into the peer pressure and paid the price so I, and it may have been tongue-in-cheek i don't know it but it may have been biographical i took it as biographical and i actually liked it it's a pretty good song song excuse me it's one of those days <laughs> but you know i don't really have anything else to add i know i've talked at length about this album probably too much i don't think it's a masterpiece but it is a good album but if you're looking at trying to get into the temptations definitely go with some of their older stuff first and maybe work your way up to this so i would say that i think the cover is pretty cool because it was um they, i think they actually had somebody sculpt the temptations faces and then took a picture of it, so that's pretty cool. I don't remember. I didn't. I don't know that artist's name. I did see that when I was looking at the uh, list. You can find that on Wikipedia. Ah, I gotta love Wikipedia. Everyone donate if you can. So, but uh, I'm gonna turn it over to you. See what you thought about masterpiece before I give my stars. Since I've droned on long enough, I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing my voice. So, what did you think about it? Well, um, I did look it up while you were talking. This was their 17th album. <laughs> I said 15th. Yeah. That was close. You were pretty the price, close. The price is right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> but they've had 43 albums. So this was actually still pretty early. Only number 17. Now, they started in like 64. So they'd been doing this for a while. I was originally excited about this album. Because I like The Temptations. And I think... I was just, I think I was a little confused. You know, I might have been mixing it up with a Spinner's album that's coming up for us a little bit later. I know that one's going to be excellent. You know, it's got some big hits on it. Either that or when I was originally researching albums for this year to make our, our spreadsheet, I just skimmed and read the Wikipedia page wrong. There's a couple of previous hits that were mentioned on that page. Smiling Faces sometimes, and Papa Was a Rolling Stone. You know, 
and I think possibly I just, you know, read that wrong and thought that they were mentioned because they were tracks on this album. They're not. They were produced by Norman Whitfield. That's why they were mentioned. And like you said, this was intended to be his masterpiece, not the man's. He wrote and produced everything. None of the big hits I was expecting, so it wasn't as exciting as I had originally thought. And that's no disrespect to The Temptations or Norman Whitfield. I've got a ton of respect for the band and Norman Whitfield. You know, he did some great work. Not just those two songs, but many, many, many others that I love, both before and after this. He worked a lot with Barrett Strong. We mentioned him recently after he died, late January. So, yeah, I don't intend to criticize Norman Whitfield's work at all. It's just, I was expecting more of the stuff that I really love from The Temptations than you're actually going to find on the track listing. So you were expecting a Temptations album, right? <laughs> yeah, I was. Um... And I was expecting some of those songs that I know I love. So once I realized that they weren't on here, I was a little disappointed, I have to say. But it is still The Temptations. It is still Norman Whitfield. They're all good. Now, having said that, The Temptations have had some stuff in recent years. Well, not recent years, but you know, we reviewed in recent years. That was... A little disappointing. Like you said, we've listened to a lot of their stuff. Some of it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But the consistent thing is the, the Motown sound, the Temptation sound. You know, that's always great, even if the songs are a little less exciting or a little more boring. So, you know, after I got over my disappointment at this not being what I expected, I figured, <coughs> excuse me, figured it probably wasn't going to be bad, you know, even if it wasn't what I had expected. And I was right about that. It's not bad. The Temptations, just those voices, the harmonies are so good. You know, the style, of course, I love that. We've been over all that ad nauseum with all the other Motown stuff we've reviewed previously. It, we do get a little burned out sometimes, but I love that style. And the Funk Brothers, you know, they worked on a lot of those other Motown hits too, not just The Temptations, but other artists, and they are really good. So I want to make sure I give them the credit that they are due. They're great. They are featured heavily on that title track, like you mentioned. Yep. It does get a lot of criticism because... You mentioned how long it is. It's 13 minutes and 49 seconds long. There's only about three minutes of vocals on that song. It's mostly instrumental. It is kind of hard to say that it's a Temptation song when they're only on a little more than 20% of it. I agree with that. Doesn't mean it's a bad song. The music was great. It was funky and soulful and enjoyable. But... I would say it's more a Funk Brothers song featuring vocals by The Temptations, not a Temptations song. And it is too long. It wasn't terrible, even for me, because the music is good, 
but 1349 is almost always going to be too long unless there's some major changes going on throughout it. You really got to have a lot of progression for a song to be that long, and that wasn't the case here. It could have easily been trimmed by several minutes and still been a very good song. And by the way, you know, I, I am referencing other reviewers here a little bit, but we don't base our reviews on those. We go back and read those after the fact, after we listen. So just want to throw that out. Yeah, we like to see how wrong those other people are. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we listen to it first and come up with our impressions, but then we do go and research this stuff. So to be fair, I did read about this one while I was still listening to it because, you know, like I said, several minutes of just an instrumental and I kind of got a little bit bored and I felt like you know, the song was basically over then anyway. So <laughs> after the temptation stopped singing and it became clear they were done, I went ahead and started doing my research on that song. But I don't want to sound too harsh. You know, the music was good on that. It wasn't bad at all. It was just too long. I did hear a lot of Papa Was a Rolling Stone in that one, though. Um, you can hear the connection and similarity, and that's not the one that gets brought up in other reviews as sounding similar, but I definitely did pick up on that. And I mean, that is a good thing. You know, Papa Was a Rolling Stone is a great song. Ma, um, the song that you mentioned, that one also reminded me of something else, but it was something less expected. That song, especially the beginning of it, oh my god, Argent, hold your head up. It is so similar. It's odd. Kind of fun. Uh, definitely a strange song, though. And that sounding like Argent, also strange. I'm not saying it's a copy or a sample or even an homage or anything like that. Hold Your Head Up did come out first. It was from 72. Released as a single in February 72. So it could have influenced this one, but I'm not going to say it definitely did. Now, this album was recorded in 72 and 73. It could just be a coincidence. It's not like it's a complicated guitar riff or anything like that. But the similarity was striking enough. I was listening with Luke, and that song started, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we're like, what is this? This is something. There is one other thing I wanted to mention about that song. The song was fine, but there was one other thing that was a little irritating to me, and this is just me being picky, but the accent, the main vocals as far as I can tell, are by Richard Street, who was born and raised in Detroit, you know, as was Norman Whitfield, who wrote the song. Most of the other Temptations were at least partially raised farther south, not him. So, the accent was fake. It wasn't exaggerated enough to be really grating, like I complain about pretty often. It was actually fairly subdued, but... It's still a little bit irritating to me, you know, just a personal thing as somebody who has a real southern or country accent. You know, not that mine is a deep south accent either. It's not. <laughs> but I don't play it up and pretend like it is either. I just don't like fake accents, especially in music. I get that he was playing a role, 
And you could say it's like acting where some of that faked style of talking is essential. I don't totally disagree with that, but it does still kind of annoy me a little. I understand it, but I don't totally like it. I, I actually did not pick up on the annoying harmonica or whatever it was that you mentioned about Plastic Man, but the music of that song didn't stand out to me at all, really. I did like the lyrical content of it. I know a lot of people who are so-called Plastic Men, always trying to be somebody else, somebody they see as better, just faking it to be popular and admired, <laughs> really playing that stuff up, never really being real or reliable. And maybe I was like that too when I was younger. Most of us are, but it can be irritating to see in someone else and a little sad to see too, and I do know people who, you know, still just, they'll do or say anything to make other people look up to them. Yeah, it, you know, I, I know people like that, so I kind of enjoy the lyric on that one. Um, Hurry Tomorrow, I did want to mention the intro to that one. They, you know, there's a little skit, them talking, and they said, it's the bomb. I did not realize that phrase was popular all the way back in the 70s, but there you go. It is. That just goes to show you, we, you know, we're not as far removed from the 70s as you might think. There was also a very piercing whistle in that one, though. It was fortunately brief because it hurts. You know? And the song did get busy and atonal toward the end for me, so it was kind of rough, but... You know, it was also you know, to to emphasize the feeling. I get that, but it was kind of rough for me to listen to. That's really the only thing I can really criticize much at all about the album, though. It was the only thing I would say that is bad. And that wouldn't be as bad for all listeners as it was for me. You know, and it was quick. Just one little whistle, but you know, it kind of just made me go, Ah! <sighs> But otherwise, the album was pretty good. It There just weren't any really big standouts from it. So, I'm going to go ahead and give my star rating, and then I'll let you... For me, this one was three and a half stars. Not as high as I was expecting to rate The Temptations when I saw it on the schedule, but, you know, three and a half is still actually a pretty good score. Not the best we're going to have this week, but... Oops, spoilers. We're going to get to those in a little bit. What did you rate it? Well... First off, it's funny that you brought up the Motown sound because this is the last Temptations album that's recorded at Hitsville USA Studio. And they migrated to, after this, they migrate to Hollywood. And um, I think Norman Whitfield only produces one more Temptations album, 1990, which is weird. <laughs> you <laughs> it 1990? What? So 43 but, albums. Yeah, so we're almost to the end of the Norman Whitfield era, so we, I mean, maybe I should appreciate this a little bit more. I don't know what's coming up. So, but, um, yeah, I agree. I was a little bit underwhelmed with the album. I hovered back and forth on the three and a half to four spectrum because, you know, I like the production, but I don't love the production. 
so that's why I gave it three and a half as well. So we're in agreement on it. I, it's not a bad Temptations album, but like I said, this is not. It's not a Temptations album, really. It's it's just featuring the Temptations, at least for me. I'm just never going to consider this a Temptations album as, as much as uh, I would say it's just Norman Whitfield, and he had them help him out. <laughs> he wanted some good <laughs> singers to help out with a few of the parts, so, but. I don't know. It, it's still a good album, and I feel like I've just just crapped all over Norman Whitfield. I don't mean it like that. It just it just doesn't seem like a Temptations album. You know, and a lot of journalists agreed. They called they were calling Temptations the what uh, the Norman Whitfield choral singers and things like that. So <laughs> that may have led to the departure of Norman Whitfield as well. I don't know, but <laughs> now. The next album that I'm getting ready to talk about, because you didn't have the opportunity, you weren't lucky enough, I'm going to say that from the start, you weren't lucky enough to get a chance to listen to this one yet, because this is my solo album for the week. I guess we're going to keep Jeff's just jamming right now. So, my solo album this week was an artist that, like I said last week, I figured it was going to be jazz, and... That could be good, that could be bad, because a lot of times the jazz is just, eh, like Chick Corea, something like that. Oh yeah, all day long, you know, just put that on, you can listen to that, that's good. Some other things that maybe we've reviewed, it's good, but oh my gosh. And I, and a lot of times I consider myself just, uh, just not knowledgeable enough about this particular music to give it justice at times. But this album, I didn't have to worry about that. I'm going to talk about Ramsey Lewis, Funky Serenity. Love that album title. This album came out February 24th, 1973. Like I said, no knowledge. I had no idea who Ramsey Lewis is. And I think he's actually, um, his, a little bit of his earlier work, maybe from like 68 or 69, before we really started listening and reviewing stuff is when Ramsey Lewis had initially made it big. There's not a lot of information on Wikipedia about this album. You're not going to see a lot, but I mean, it's, it is. It's not, not uh, complicated, I guess I would say. It's just a good, funky, just uh, jazz. It's like a funk, soul, jazz. It sounds very 70s. I mean, I guess if you, if you, you can say that, if you want to, give it that oh it sounds 70s yeah it does it sounds awesome but uh ramsey lewis is a pianist which i didn't know that which was you know you got chick correa now you have ramsey lewis so i think jazz pianists i like better than maybe a jazz trumpeteer a whole album of, the, of that type of thing i think at most of the time and that may have been what it's uh you know happens and one thing about this album that I found interesting. One of the songs was uh, sampled by a tribe called Quest. And I know everyone out there, that's a hip-hop band, and uh, or group, hip-hop band, hip-hop group, either way. But um, there's a song called Electric La Relaxation. I've already heard that song. I'm, I mean, I've listened to a tribe called Quest. And uh, you can find that on, uh, I, think, I think it's uh, Midnight Marauders is the name of that album. I don't have that right in front of me right now, but Beck, the artist Beck, also sampled Dreams 
on his song Deborah, which I didn't realize that because I, I listened to a little bit of Beck and I do like Beck and I appreciate his work. He's a little bit underappreciated, I think, at times. But um, uh, I'm not familiar with that song. But yeah, the song Dreams is is uh, near the end of the album. It's, uh, you know, almost, almost at the end of the album. It's pretty good. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to go track by track on this. There, there are a couple other songs, I think, that have been sampled from this. So, I mean, this thing is... It's just an album you can put on, except for the first song. <laughs> because I know you have, what, misophonia. And when things yeah. get busy at times, you it's just overload. The first song, it's... Um, I'm probably going to butcher it. It's an African it means um making love <laughs> but kufanya mopenzi i think is how it is how, how how you say that i don't know there are there are a couple parts in that that just get incredibly busy and it's it's okay it, it, it doesn't last very long so as long as you can hold on for the ride you're, you're fine and then it's just smooth i am going to point out the personnel because it's not a big list and a couple of these artists are severely underrated. I hope that we I have uh, the opportunity to find more from these artists' work because <laughs> the production's nice on this as well. But I'm just going to go through it and I'll explain. Okay, Ram, like I said, Ramsey Lewis is on piano, electric piano, and harpsichord, of all things, which was interesting to hear. You have Cleveland Eaton on bass, electric bass, and percussion. Oh my goodness, the, his bass, like he's playing an upright bass, and it just sounds smooth and spongy, and like, it's 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 just great. And like, um, the song, uh, My Love For You, it's track four. Everyone uh, check that out because, oh, it's so smooth, it sounds so nice, and it's the kind of jazz that, it, that I can just, you know, listen to. Uh, you have Morris Jennings on drums, congas, and percussion. Oh, all over this album. He kills it. It's it's great. And then finally you have Ed Green on percussion and violin. Because I say violin because they cover Knights in White Satin as well. And it's killer. I mean, um pretty fate you know, close to the original, but they do venture away at times. So it's they make it their own song, they being, you know, Ramsey Lewis and these guys. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've gushed about this album. I'm going to go back and listen to some of Ramsey Lewis' previous work, and I'm going to try to find some more Cleveland Eaton stuff because, oh, he's a good bassist. So, I mean, I think bassists a lot of times get underrated. Obviously, I like to play the bass a little bit, so uh, I'm going to hear it more, maybe more so than others. And, you know, I do focus in on the drums and percussion and, and that sort of thing a lot of times. This is an album for that. The, all these artists, I think, at this time were at the top of their game. Even though Ramsey Lewis, like I said, had mainly his hits were in the 60s. I think the late 60s. This one does not need to be like missed. This one needs to be like listened to. And I would probably buy this on vinyl. Especially if I can hear that bass on it like that. And, and the like Knights in White Satin. It's pretty. It's really pretty. So, you know, this one was a pleasant surprise. It made me want to listen to more Ramsey Lewis. And, you know, I can't really say much more about it other than this is four and a half stars. So, yeah, four and a half. And, and it's amazing for me to give a jazz album other than like a Chick Corea 
you know, I gave it the half the half star production bump as well, because this is class. This is quality. No vocals. So if you're not, you know, if you're not into just music, you're probably not gonna like it. But I I really did. I really liked it, and I uh, I highly recommend it. It's one of the uh, one of the best jazz albums I think that I may have listened to. You know, and I I don't have a extensive jazz listening career. You know, mostly seventies. <laughs> but it's it's definitely one of the best from 70 to 7 to now 73 that we're reviewing that i've reviewed so yeah very exciting yeah i was excited and i i will go back and listen to it like especially like knights in white satin and uh two or three of the tracks i will for sure pick out like i said before i'm put i'm trying to make a chord chronicles spotify playlist best of this is going to be the uh background noise episode guys as i'm interrupted by plane that i hope is still in the sky sounds really low <laughs> <laughs> i even I, heard that <laughs> i heard he well did you hear the birds like this one birds he, he must have felt like making love or he's, <laughs> it's in the air he knew ramsey lewis was coming up so this is the uh, background noise i'm going to try to edit it out but it's probably not going to make it out so everyone's going to hear the planes and they're going to hear birds chirping so uh, please forgive me for that, but it is that kind of day. It's been that kind of week. But yeah, four and a half stars. Highly recommend Ramsey Lewis, Funky Serenity, and his other stuff. Even though I haven't heard it, I can tell you right now, tremendously talented. So yeah, that's, that's really all I have to say about it other than check it out. And yeah. Oh my gosh. I am yeah. definitely going to have to go check that out because for you to give four and a half stars to a jazz album is almost unheard of so it must be really good and i'm really intrigued by that nights and white satin so i'm definitely gonna have to look for that one it, it is it, it is jazz it's funk i think having that little element of funk soul in it it just pushes it over the top it just it's good I, i'm excited about ramsey lewis so yeah I, I, i'm a big fan now the next album that we're both going to talk about is totally not Ramsey Lewis. <laughs> we're doing a we're doing a complete 180 <laughs> because the next artist. This album came out February 25th, 1973. Oh my gosh! Like I said, we already knew about the Temptations, and we obviously know about Alice Cooper. This is Billion Dollar Babies. I already knew about this album. I mean. I mean, this is already, I think this is probably Alice Cooper's most, what, uh, I don't know if it's his most listened to, but this is his, it's probably his, his, uh, most highly regarded album, and it probably his, uh, probably, uh, most successful, I would say. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. 1972 might be the most successful. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but, uh, I don't know. But anyway, the album cover really crazy looking it looks like uh, snake skin i, I want to see it actually in vinyl you know, like on a vinyl and like just see if it what it actually looks like with the picture is all i've seen and it looks really cool this is uh what alice's sixth studio album we did miss the 72 but um i think that, i mean oh uh, uh, this is a mixture this album is like a mix uh, there's not really one sound. That's the only drawback I would give it. A lot of times I would give it give that as a drawback, but it doesn't really hurt 
this the album so much. A lot of <laughs> a lot of the themes and subjects on this album are just uh, fear, <laughs> like different things you might be afraid of, and a lot of it's uh, te- tongue in cheek. I mean, some of it may not be right now in this day and age to make fun <laughs> of or make light of. <laughs> I will say that um, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, they're uncomfortable. I mean, there, there's like one song on here that I mean I will bring out, but. Um, Interestingly enough, though, okay, the album opens up with the song Hello, Hooray. (laughs) Do you know who originally sang that song? I do, but I don't know if our listeners do. (laughs) I could not believe it It was a Judy Collins song because, you know, I already reviewed Judy Collins. Oh, my gosh. Alice Cooper did a a lot better job, I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, I liked it a lot better. I'll say that. Um, Oh, great song. Yeah, it's... It has that classic Alice Cooper sound. I don't know how to, how just any other way to put it. He just made it. I don't know. He just his voice has that acidic quality to it. He's trying to be sinister, and and it it, it works. It's like a uh, Spengooly thing. It's not scary, and he it's it's like a theatrical thing. That's what I would I would term it. So, uh, hello, hooray! A great track to open the album with. I thought. And then, like I said, don't take it serious, everyone. Please. We have Raped and Freezing. It's uh, it's about sexual harassment. That's what it is. It's about sexual harassment, the basic theme. They're not making light of it, but it is the fear and uh, that stuff. It's a good track. I liked it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't guess I really need to go track by track through it, but I just wanted to highlight a few. I thought Elected was not my favorite on the album. I think his voice is just, like I said, there are times I really like Alice's voice, but there are other times where it's just too much. He's, he's projecting too much in Elected, I think, and it's just atonal? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just, there's something not right. It just does not work for me. And I don't like the song Elected. There are, I don't think I mentioned it, there are like four singles. I think there were like four singles from this album. So I don't have that right in front of me. So, but I think uh, Billion Dollar Babies, No More Mr. Nice Guy, Hello, Hooray, and maybe Elected. I think Elected was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So I, I just don't, not a fan of that Elected one. But Billion Dollar Babies, I like it and I don't like it. There are a couple parts of it where it's busy, where there are, where, where there's something like, I think, I don't know if it's Alice doing a spoken thing and somebody singing at the same time. But they're like speaking over one another at two or three times on, on the song. I didn't like that, but I do like Million Dollar Babies. And I, I just, it's funny. It's that song, I think they're referencing how they didn't expect such success. And now they're Million Dollar Babies, is what they are. They're like, yeah, look at us. <laughs> so I, I, that's, that's what I take from that. All right. The last song on, on, the, on side one I wanted to highlight because it, I'm just going to say it pissed me off. It's about the fear of dentistry. Ha ha. Getting ready to go into the dentist here pretty soon. Maybe that's what it is. But no, that's not what it is. The dentist doesn't scare me. But the high-pitched, piercing, skull-piercing dental drill sound that they use in that, that's an automatic skip for me. I listened to that song once and was like, man, you know, that's it. (laughs) I'm trying to keep it PG. I'm not going to say what I said. So... 
Yeah, that one that one just irritated me. I can't like I don't like that. I didn't I was irritated at Alice Cooper for that. So but then you open up side two of the album with No More Mr. Nice Guy. All was forgiven. Love podcast everyone. No more Mr. Nice Guy used to be the theme for my favorite podcast, other than Chord Chronicles, obviously. But um Jim Cornette, the Jim Cornette experience <laughs> is something that I just listen to every week. I just like his sense of humor, and I don't, he doesn't take things so seriously. Just a, a Louisville guy, so a little bit close to home. But this isn't a Jim Cornette thing, but uh, he used No More Mr. Nice Guy, so every time now that I hear the song, that's the first association that I hear. So that was kind of funny. And then I don't really want to go through many of the other songs. I don't think a lot of the other songs stand out. I thought <laughs> I Love the Dead was funny because it's the... It's just tongue in cheek talking about necrophilia. So, hmm, haha. So, but um, I don't know. It's if you are a fan of Alice Cooper, <laughs> you're gonna like this album. This is one of the big ones. I, I don't think I did go through the personnel. I will real fast, and then I'll turn it over to you because I think I've once again droned on long enough. But um, you know, you have Alice Cooper on vocals and harmonica. Glenn Buxton on guitar, and Michael Bruce on guitar, keyboards, and backing vocals. And the two guitarists on this album? Killer. Oh, smoking. Yeah, I don't know which uh, which of the... I think it's maybe Glenn Buxton on the lead... Taking the lead on Billion Dollar Babies. There's some really nice guitar work in that. And then uh, you have Dennis Dunaway on bass and backing vocals. And then finally, Neil Smith drums and backing vocals. And they're considered the Alice Cooper group. I guess at this time it's not just Alice they're not just going by Alice Cooper I guess they just dropped the group thing later uh, and one other thing I will point out I mean there are um, there are a few like additional personnel as we have the garbage truck going through <laughs> yet another background sound um, Donovan an artist that I think you reviewed his album and then we had Donovan on he has uh, vocals on billion dollar babies I think, does he do the falsetto or whatever that is? I'm not sure. Um, it's But funny. we've got one of his albums coming up in two weeks. I think it's two weeks, so we're going to get to hear more of him. Oh my goodness. Once again, background episode, you know, back, background noise episode, guys. But you know, there are quite a few different, <laughs> different uh, people involved with the album, but I'm not going to go through the list. Once again, you can find it on Wikipedia and go through that as well if you want to get as in-depth as that you know if you so do so desire but um really that's all i have to say i probably said too much about being dollar babies but yeah i really liked it except for the dental song that song can just you just cut it out i like i always <laughs> cut it out of the playlist now even when i pull up the album i just go ahead and remove it so but i have listened to this album quite a few times but uh i'm gonna turn it over to you what do you think about being dollar babies well Obviously, like you said, I know Alice Cooper. I gotta throw that out there right off. I have known of him slash them for, uh, I don't know, I guess as long as I can remember. We did review them back in 71, I think, or, well, actually 2021 for the 1971 album. I think that was a positive review, if I remember correctly. We did miss reviewing Schools Out last year, but I own that one, so I've heard that album as well. I liked it well enough to purchase it. 
It's a really cool album design, by the way. This one is as well. We don't have it, but this is one that's on our list that we want to buy if we can ever find it. So, they do a really good job on their album design. They design some cool albums. School's Out looks like a school disc. You know, the legs fold down. This one is supposed to look like a snakeskin wallet. You know, it's got a, a folded billion dollar bill <laughs> inside. You know, very creative, very cool. Um, this album in particular, I didn't know the album per se, but I do know and like some of the songs already. I I actually really like Elected. I already knew that song. And that one is one of my favorite Alice Cooper songs, along with No More Mr. Nice Guy, of course. Those are two of my top three favorite Alice Cooper songs, along with Poison, School's Out, and I'm 18. That fell out the rest of the top five, in case you were wondering. So, the point is, I knew that I was most likely going to enjoy this album pretty well, and that I was probably going to rate it fairly highly, with those two songs on it. But who really knows until the rest of it's reviewed. As it turns out, for me, those were the best two songs on the album. But the rest was pretty good too. The guitar was great. I really liked it, especially in Billion Dollar Babies, like you said. That one was a single, but it was not one that I was familiar with. I, you know, yeah, so... I didn't know that Donovan sang on that track until after I listened, since I didn't know the song yet. But I did make a note of that, because we do have a Donovan album coming up in just a couple of weeks. And I did review... We all know some Donovan songs. Season of the Witch, I believe, is Donovan. Good song. But, yeah, we're going to get to hear more of him. I... I didn't hate Unfinished Sweet as much as you did. It's not my favorite song on the album, but the drill didn't hurt me as much as you might expect. And I thought the percussion in it was really good. The drumming was particularly effective in that one. And the sound effects, they were effective. (laughs) I mean, sorry, I know you do have to go to the dentist this week. Maybe it wasn't a great time to have to listen to that one. No, I'm no more scared of the dentist than any other medical thing. (laughs) But it is a good horror topic. You know, a lot of people are scared of the dentist, so it is effective. And I didn't even actually pick up on this, but Luke did, and he mentioned it after the fact. There's a line in that song that mentions, I'm still seeing spies, And right before that, there's a musical interlude that is spy music. So, I don't know how I missed that. He picked up on it. I'm going to have to go back and maybe listen to it again, because that's kind of cool. But it wasn't my favorite song on the album, either. I just didn't hate it as much as you. Generation Landslide? That one surprised me. It heavily features harmonica. Doesn't normally fit with this style of music. But I liked it. You know, that kind of surprise. That's fun. And it worked. It wasn't, like, overly jarring or anything like that. It was just kind of unexpected. This was just a good album. I'm not saying it's five stars. I'm also not saying it isn't. 
Not yet. Stars are still going to have to wait a minute. But I did think that it was really good. And some people enjoyed it. Now, Rolling Stone magazine. They rated this two and a half stars. So I had to bring that up because that's just dumb and wrong. I'm assuming it's probably because there is some disturbing content and themes, like you said. Rape, necrophilia, sick things. That's even the title of one of the tracks. But it's shock rock. It doesn't bother me. These are songs. I don't have to be a necrophiliac to listen and enjoy this album. I doubt any of the band members are necrophiliacs either. It's it's an act. It's just their form of art. I mean, it's actually kind of silly. I will say that. But that's okay. Although, No More Mr. Nice Guy, that one actually is kind of autobiographical and talks about just that kind of reaction that I'm sure some people had about this album and others by Alice Cooper. You know, and how unfair and wrong it is. You know, people judged them and their families like Alice Cooper's parents got some backlash from his work with their church people that's wrong but you know so I I agree no more Mr. Nice Guy (laughs) but anyway we're not the only ones who did like the album. You know, other reviewers did rate it well. It hit number one on the charts. The tour broke records. It sounds like it was a really fun show to be at. I wish I could have seen it. This was the famous, you know, Alice getting his head cut off with a guillotine tour. Um, Chris Cornell, we both loved him. He said that this was one of his favorite records. And David Burns said it inspired Psycho Killer for the Talking Heads. It's another great song. So, yeah. it It's a good album. I don't have anything else to say except for my stars. And I think I'm going to wait and let you give yours first. And then I'll give mine. You're waiting to see if I give it four or four and a half, aren't you? No, four. I already know what my score is. <laughs> yeah. Whether yours no. is accurate or not. Uh, mine's Mine's four. It's four stars. It's a good album. It's not like the best Alice Cooper. I think uh, probably Schools Out is the best album. That being said, I still do want this. I want the the L, you know, the vinyl, the LP. An original would be nice, but uh, we we'll see. I think it'd be hard to get one in good condition. Cause yeah. So people that bought this probably listened to it a lot. I would think. I think you because a lot of these songs do kind of they they become earworm in a way. Like they'll get in there. I mean, he's a good writer. I think Sick Things was the other song that I didn't like, though. It's just almost like a spoken thing. And they chant behind it a little bit or something. It just wasn't... Uh, that one wasn't my favorite. I thought that one was a little weak. But that's that's why I gave it four stars. It's, it's not... There are a couple songs on there that I think aren't great. Like I said, that drill song is just... It's got to go. So, <laughs> I get it. You wanting to, to give someone the fear of the, the dentist or whatever. But don't put that drill sound in it. Or don't make it quite so, like, sharp. I mean, I was listening in headphones loud because I'm trying to experience all this stuff. This was one, you know, it just, ah, it almost, I almost had to turn it off for a while. Like, man, don't be doing that kind of stuff. But other than that, yeah, four stars from me. So what did you give it? I think that's fair. Uh, I also considered four stars for this one. And I thought of it and then forgot to mention it. 
you listen in headphones, that might be why the drill sound wasn't as piercing for me, because it wasn't right there in my head. I was listening in the room, and it kind of subdued it a little more. The singles that I already knew were the best songs on the album, I thought. Those are the ones I will most likely listen to again. You know, and there were two of those, but just two. So, I don't want to be too generous, just because I already love those songs. There was a little bit of filler on here. I will be honest and say that. But, I did ultimately decide four stars was a little too low. I didn't love the rest quite as much as those two. It was a good album throughout, and those two really are great. To me. I know you didn't care for Elected, but I love that song. And no more Mr. Nice Guys, just... I don't know if I can adequately even express how much I love that song. So, no, it's not five stars, but it's also not four for me. I will possibly listen to the album again, even if not the whole thing. I'm definitely going to listen to multiple songs. At least the two I've already mentioned, maybe more. It's highly recommended. I gave Billion Dollar Babies four and a half. It was good. I, I can I can see that point as well, but uh, just wasn't uh, just wasn't my favorite. But that doesn't mean it's not a good album. So yeah, everyone be sure to uh, to check out Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Babies. And you know what? I'm gonna hang back for a minute, and I'm gonna let you take the lead on the next album, and see what you thought about it first before I drone on some more about it so yeah i'm gonna let you talk about the next album because uh everyone will see why in a minute (laughs) yeah i can do that i can absolutely do that our next album is a guy that we are both familiar with but especially me it's dr john the album is in the right place and it also came out on february 25th We have talked about Dr. John before on the show. I know I do like him more than you do. Obviously, there's the New Orleans connection. I am predisposed to enjoy that, I guess, because I love everything New Orleans. Well, that's not true. I don't love everything New Orleans. Bourbon Street. Yeah, it's pretty pretty dirty. (laughs) But I do like a lot about New Orleans. I love the town. But I really do like Dr. John, too. His voice can be polarizing, I will admit that. I'm not even going to say it's a good voice, but it is authentic. And he's just darn catchy. The title track to this album is a good example of that. Well, it's kind of a title track. The album is obviously named for the song, but it's not an exact match, I will say that. The album is titled In the Right Place. The song is Right Place, Wrong Time. It's a great song. It's popular, and for a reason. Most of our listeners, you probably do already know that song. You may not even realize that you know it, but it's a good song. I've enjoyed it for years, even before I was familiar with Dr. John. I didn't know much about the rest of the album before I listened to it this week, though. I did look at the personnel list before I listened, 
just so I could get a good start on my notes, write my intro, I try to do that ahead of time, and then just focus on the music. Personnelist was extra exciting for me. You've got Mac Rebenek, that's Dr. John. He, of course, does vocals and you know, a lot of piano-type stuff. That's his instrument. But Alan Toussaint also does a little of everything on here. He's another fantastic New Orleans artist. You know, and he was involved in the production as well. And The Meters. They're a New Orleans band that I reviewed with surprisingly great results back in... I think it was 2020. Might have been 2021, but I think it was 2020 for their 1970 album. They're on here too as sort of a backing band. So after I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. I was really excited. Album does kick off with that song that we all know, the one I'm calling the title track. It was a great way to start. I don't, I can't even explain what I love about that song. I don't really know how to how to say it. It's just a really good song. I love the you know, the ooh at the end of the chorus. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Just go listen to it. It's a good song. And really good guitar in it too. Um I've never really paid a whole lot of attention to the guitar in it before now because I wasn't listening with a reviewer's ear. I was just listening. But I noticed it this time, more than I normally do. I think that was David Spinoza. I saw that name on the personnel list. I had to look him up. <laughs> now I can't talk. I had to look him up because I wasn't familiar with him. But he worked with a ton of really great artists as either a guitarist or a producer. I'm not going to list who because it's like everybody. But he seems to be really talented, and it definitely showed in, you know, on this album. I liked Just the Same, too. It was a slower ballad. I really loved the organ in it. It sounded like Dr. John, but it was heavy on the more R&B slow jam type stuff. <laughs> Love me some slow jams. So, that was good. And Traveling Mood. That was the other song that I wanted to mention specifically. That one was really catchy. It is classic New Orleans jazz. Great piano. Great horns. That was the Bonnaroo horn section. I wasn't familiar with them. And I couldn't find a whole lot about them. But let's be honest. Horns are literally everywhere in New Orleans. You can pull a group off of just about any street corner, especially in the French Quarter. What they're playing will probably sound quite a bit like this, but you know, this group was particularly talented. I did find a little bit about them after I started researching. They were a group that was kind of created for studio work. They were named by Dr. John. It's a Cajun word that means the best there is. They did work with some other big artists as well, but... It seems like, as far as I can tell, this was their first. Also, I don't want to get ahead of us too much, but Dr. John's next album, that I think was 74, it's named Decidively Bonnaroo. And as far as I can tell, it's hard to find a list of horn section members, but as far as I can tell, they were on that one as well. And the Bonnaroo Music Festival in Tennessee, if you're familiar with that, 
was named after that album. So, it was named by Dr. John, and so was the horn section, and it's all connected. But that is a tangent, you know. We can talk more about that next year when we review that album. Back to the song, Traveling Mood. It was one of only two songs on the album that Dr. John didn't at least co-write. The other one, Life, was written by Alan Toussaint. Traveling Mood was by James Waynes, though. I didn't know him either. Also looked him up. He was a Texas-slash-Louisiana R&B musician. He worked in the 50s and 60s primarily. It's actually a really interesting and a sad story. I'm not going to go too far into it, but I would recommend you look it up because, wow. At the time of this album, he was in a mental hospital for paranoid schizophrenia after uh, throwing a Molotov cocktail at a hotel because he thought the clerk was after him, was part of the mafia. So, he was arrested for arson and eventually put in a mental hospital for schizophrenia. And that's where he was for seven years from like 67 to 74. So when this album came out, he didn't even know it. It's a great song, though. Yeah. I I assume he recorded it. I should have looked into that a little more, but I didn't. I'm sorry. But I will look into that and see if he recorded it and compare his. But for now... The one I'm reviewing is the one on this album by Dr. John, and it was really catchy. Really good. It was a good album as a whole. There were some filler tracks, but there are also some that were really good. You know, and of course, like I said, the title track is fantastic. I don't really have anything else to say about it other than my star rating, so I'm going to let you talk about it first, and then we'll give our stars. Well, you know, I've already disparaged Dr. John before, so I, I, I like Dr. John. I just always think of him as the Muppet, almost. He's like Dr. Teeth and the Medicine Band, or whatever. Oh, he definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not that I don't like him, but I always see that cartoon, so you know, I'm gonna say, maybe I don't take him serious. It's not that. It's just, uh, it's almost like that for me. It, it becomes that. But, uh... I'm trying not to say that being said, but that being said, <laughs> if you're going to pick up a Dr. John album, this is the one. Other than a Greatest Hits album or something like that, this is the one. I love this album, actually. <laughs> this, if, you know, if I'm going to pick up Dr. John and listen to it, this is going to be this one. Uh, you know, Right Place, Wrong Time. I was already familiar with that song. Um, I think it's Same Old, Same Old that has... It has it's a New Orleans sound, obviously, but I like the uh, trombone in it or something. They have like uh, it just has that <laughs> as I annoy everyone with that, but it just has a nice it just has a nice a nice sound. Now, but my favorite song on the album is called it's I've Been Hoodooed. That <laughs> yeah. song is. Audio fire. That's what it evokes if you're trying to like evoke images. It is like that fire. That song. Yeah, the <laughs> song. It is like audio fire. It's all it is. It just is a fire out of control. That's all. It is. When you listen, listen back to it now, and you like and, and think about that and see what you think. But um, I don't want to bring up any of the other 
songs you've already talked to, you know, and given m more information than I could ever about Dr. John, but, you know, as a, what, a, an amateur listener of Dr. John, this is his best album, and this one's four and a half stars. So, what did you give it? I am glad that you liked it. I've been telling you, he is good. Now you finally see it. <laughs> no, I was really happy that I, I wasn't disappointed in this album. I still love Dr. John. You actually rated this one higher than me, though. I gave this one four stars. But it is a great album, and it is his best, probably. The production in it's excellent as well. That's why it got the half star. So, but yeah, it, I, I thought it was awesome. Like it's a it's a really fun, good album to put on. You know, uh, his vocals fit on this. I think Alan Toussaint being the producer helps because I think it have, Alan Toussaint's probably heavily involved with the music at music aspect of this, and then Doctor John's bringing you know the vocals and the you know, he wrote all the stuff, the lyrics, and this, you know, this and that. And I mean, they all came together and collabed, obviously, but I feel like, uh, I feel like Alan Toussaint probably pushed us over the top. Alan Toussaint was a genius. Yeah, I think that's what did it for me. But the next album that you're going to talk about, I actually peeked behind the curtain and listened to last night, because I, like I like to try to listen to all of them anyway, because that's just my, you know... <laughs> it's just my thing but i actually have listened to this album but i'm gonna i'm anxious to see what you think about it because we're already familiar with this band in all the wrong ways i would say <laughs> so yeah uh, yeah i agree um and this was the only one that we didn't have an actual release date for we just know it came out sometime in february the only one for this week that is but my solo album, my Amy's All Alone, uh, for this week, or, you know, Amy's, I don't remember, Amy's Always Awesome, <laughs> since I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> no, anyway, album is Fairport Convention, uh, Rosie. I'm not gonna lie, I was not excited about listening to this one. I know you weren't excited about having a jazz album either, though, and that worked out really well for you. You know, but we have listened to some Fairport Convention in the past, and it was less than exciting. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes that happens. We have to listen to stuff and give it a fair review, even if the previous work has been not great. You know, not anything to get really enthusiastic about. And this is British Folk, which isn't my favorite, but again, fair review. I'm not just reviewing the stuff I already like for this show. That would be silly and pointless. The whole point of the show is to listen and discover new stuff. So, I had to listen to Rosie. The title track did have a couple of semi-sour semi notes to my uneducated and ultra-sensitive ear. That's not a technical thing I'm saying. They may not be wrong notes at all. They just don't sound good to me. They make me cringe. Um, it wasn't that bad, though. It was a lot better than I was afraid it was gonna be. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the name of the song. I'm not just naming books of the Bible. 
The song Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was kind of catchy. Um, the lead singer on at least a couple of the songs, I wrote down Knights of the Road and The Plainsman. That singer, I'm not sure who it was because there are three male singers on here and it doesn't specify on the pages I was looking at, doesn't specify who sang on which songs, but it reminded me of Gordon Lightfoot. Just the voice, not the song itself, but it it had a similar tone to the voice. He has a really rich, deep-ish voice, really pretty, and that's what this sounded like. You know, I really liked the sound of the vocals in those. Me With You kind of reminded me a little bit of the Beatles in their more fun, novelty-type songs. And I know we get tired of the Beatles, especially you, because it's the Beatles. They're everywhere. But, I mean, that is a good thing. It was it was fun, and it just kind of had that sound. And Hungarian Rhapsody. That one also reminded me of something else, something older. It's not... You know, <laughs> Hungarian Rhapsody is an actual thing. It's actually, there's, I looked it up. There are 19 Hungarian Rhapsodies by List, List, sorry, um, the classical composer. It's not that, but it reminded me of something like maybe by Herman's Hermits. You know, actually, it was really reminiscent of them to me. And it was pretty catchy. And made me want goulash. Like, a lot. I love goulash. And it mentioned goulash. And now, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go get some Hungarian goulash. <laughs> or maybe I just really like food. Or maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. Could be any or all of the above. I don't have a ton to say about it. But most of the album was pretty catchy. Surprisingly so. Pleasantly so. I don't know that there's anything on it that I'm going to come back and listen to again. It's not that kind of album for me. I know. <laughs> I know that you did especially like a couple of songs. Yeah, we talked about it ahead of time, guys. But I didn't tell him what I thought. He just told me what he thought. Um, I know you really like the instrumentals. Peggy's Pub and... I don't have the title of the other one written down. It was longish title, something about hens. Yeah, the hen, uh, whatever. Yeah, I can't remember. It was good. Yeah, I know you really like those, and you said you may go back and listen to those again. I may not listen to any of these tracks again, but I don't really have anything bad to say about any of them or the album at all. It's not even boring. Like, I was expecting it to be boring at best. I wasn't up and dancing or anything, but I think I enjoyed every song on here at least a little bit. So, this was a three and a half star album for me. That is much higher than I expected. No. Okay, it's... It's not the best of the week, <laughs> but... You know, just because this was a good week. I mean, it's tied with The Temptations. And I thought this was going to be a three at best, maybe even lower. That's what I was afraid of. But it was a happy surprise for me. So three and a half stars for Fairport Convention. So what would you have given it? 
Well, I was pleasantly surprised about it as well because, once again, I have listened to the other Fairport Convention stuff, and it, I don't know, it was like, uh, the other stuff was like foreign bluegrass <laughs> in some ways, yeah, I can I can say. It's not as, they don't get down a country style as much as like bluegrass, you know? they're not fiddling it up that much, but uh, uh, that, that's the way I would term it at times, and it, but it just wasn't, it, nothing stood out. It wasn't necessarily bad. It was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's all right. I think maybe they're about. Th- I think we gave them three stars. Maybe I may have been involved with an album. I think that's the 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 highest that we've ever seen a like a Fairport Convention album for for our ears at least, you know. But I probably would have given it three and a half. I probably would have given it three and a half as well. It it might creep up. It might creep up, a, you know, three and three quarter if we gave three quarter stars. Just because I think the two, those two instrumentals, um, they really, I don't know, they really like kind of gave it, they injected some energy into the album. And I liked, uh, you said that this, the singer that sounded like Gordon Lightfoot, I thought so as well. And I like the background vocals as well. There are a couple, I think there may have been one song I didn't like. Maybe the the lead vocal on, it's um I don't I don't remember like I said I don't have any of that in front of me because it it wasn't my solo, but it uh I thought the album was was surprisingly pretty pretty good <laughs> pretty good like I, I would say that's the this is the Fairpoint Convention album to check out if you're wanting to check out Fairpoint Convention and then maybe you know go back and listen to their maybe their older stuff from what I've heard people say that. The two instrumental tracks are closer to their older stuff, but I, not from any of the stuff I heard. I just liked them. I was just going to say, I think it's probably because those were traditionals that they just reworked and performed instead of actually being written by the band. Yeah, it, it could have been. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I enjoyed those. I thought they were fun, though. A lot, they it was were. actually, well, it was better <laughs> for me. Then the next album, the last album of the week that we're going to talk about, I was, I mean, there are a lot of times that we are already familiar with someone's work. It may not be their actual, you know, their actual, like, singing and, like, playing the music themselves work. It may just be they produced numerous albums or involved in the background or wrote the songs, like, wrote all the lyrics well, the artist we're getting ready to talk about was that artist. John Cale. This is Paris 1919. And what John Cale was involved with uh, Velvet Underground? Yes. With uh, with Lou Reed? Mm-hmm. I, I don't like Velvet Underground, really. It, it's never really hit with me. It's okay. I, I mean, I... You know, Walk on the Wild Side, it's a little bit offensive. But, I mean, I always... I, that song's okay sampled on love you marky mark you know but uh but uh (laughs) but um really more than anything though i was familiar with john kale as a producer similar along the same lines as like a uh like a chris christopherson i know that's a weird comparison to make but chris christopherson's enormously talented excellent writer a good actor as well i don't know what john kale did that but uh 
just a, a good writer and producer, and but when he gets in front of the microphone, I just don't want to hear him sing. I just don't love it. John Cale, I don't love his singing. I, I, his vocals, most of the time, take me out of the actual music because the music and the the lyrics themselves are good. Like I feel like his lyrics are poetry. If you actually sit down and read the you know his John Cale's lyrics, like a lot of times they are poetic, and I'll give it that. And maybe that's what it is. I just I'm trying to I'm reviewing it from a just enjoyment standpoint. And I, you know, I maybe I don't need to, but that's that was try my approach this week for a lot of the albums, and maybe I'm I need to be a little bit more uh, you know <laughs> I need to look into it a little deeper. But I just I could not get into this album at all i i think the best song on the album probably is Macbeth. it's the like the last song on side one it's because they they pick up the energy a little bit for me i think probably fans of like radiohead like that tom york drone just that real subdued like, if you're into that sort of style of singing or that kind of thing, you're going to like most of the songs on this album because that's that's John Cale's style for the most part on this album. Now, I know he does many things, but this album in particular for me, it was just a, a bit of a drone. Um, I didn't even look and see, honestly, what the singles were. I'm assuming Paris 1919 was one of the singles on the album because, you know, title track or whatever. But I, I don't know. Um, I don't have much more to more to say. It's pop, baroque pop, I think, and I think maybe that's part of it. I don't like the British, that baroque style pop. Anytime we've had that, it just doesn't hit to me. Um, I did like Macbeth, like I said, and I think it might have been Graham Green was the other song that I thought was okay. It's not great for me, and and I'm sure it's just sometimes they just don't hit, you know. Sometimes they just don't hit. And uh, the personnel, though, <laughs> I was already familiar with a couple of the artists, you know, John Cale, obviously vocals, piano, keyboards, viola, and acoustic guitar. Lowell George, the other artist I'm already familiar with, electric guitar and acoustic guitar, and. Uh, Wilton Felder on bass, guitar, and sax. Richie Hayward on drums, another artist I've already seen before. Uh, Chris Thomas on tambourine. I'm surprised they just threw him on there. But um, Richie Hayward was with uh, Little Feet, I think. There's so many, much music. It, it just all blends together. But yeah, I think he's um, with them. And one thing I will say about Wilton Felder... Uh, he played bass on the Jackson 5 uh, hits, I Want You Back, ABC, and then on uh, on Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. So, the talent on this album is excellent, and the production's pretty good. It just it just wasn't an album for me, I think. So, it was, a, it was a drone to get through at times. The strings are really nice at times that they put in the background. I just, uh, I don't know. I think uh, maybe the, the producer of this album previously worked with the band you have reviewed, Procol Harum. 
I think you had that album. I'm, I've listened to it, but I don't think I gave a review on Pro Harum yet. But, um, yeah, I don't have anything else to add about Paris 1919. It it was hard for me to make it through it. I tried numerous times to get through it. It may have been because I kept getting interrupted by Jose, my friend. We call him Boca Motora because he's a motor mouth. <laughs> he knows this. Love you, Jose, if you're listening still. Uh, but don't listen to Paris 1919. You're not going to like it, Jose, at least. So, everyone else, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, production, excellent. Vocals, not so excellent. Vocals are the weakest thing on this album, and they almost took me out of it. But I don't have anything else other to add, other than just being just so negative about the album that's actually pretty good, that everyone seems to love. But what did you think about John Kell's Paris 1919? Well... Uh, first of all, I will say there don't seem to be any singles off of the album. You know, it, at least there's none listed on Wikipedia, and it may just be he's not really a singles type of guy. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> that, that sounds good. a little more uh, romantic or aromantic <laughs> than I meant. <laughs> it's not worthy. It's not worthy of singles. That's what it is. No, uh, it, no, you have to take this album as a whole and put it in the ground. <laughs> so no, go ahead. Oh, hush. Um, his lyrics are poetry. They are artistic. They're a little over my head. I feel no shame in saying that. The words are kind of weird in some songs. Like, okay, if you listen to slightly more modern songs, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, the lyrics are kind of nonsense sometimes. This kind of comes across as nonsense as well. It's not, it is poetry, but, like, I'm just going to read the first part of Child's Christmas in Wales. With mistletoe and candle green, to Halloween we go. Ten murdered oranges, bled on board ship, lends comedy to shame. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) But, you know, musically, I thought it was pretty good. I don't necessarily need the lyrics to be easy to understand as long as they don't sound bad. You know, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana. You know, absolute nonsense, but it's still good. I didn't love this as much as I love those. I <laughs> don't want to give that impression. I love Nirvana, love Chili Peppers. But I did like this okay. I didn't mind his voice as much as you did. It's not the best or the prettiest, but it was okay for me. Musically, the album was pretty calm, I guess you could say, um, for the first half or so, except for a couple of songs. Side B was a little more lively, except for a song or two, but most of Side A was a little soft, so I can see it being a little hard to get through. Especially if you weren't in the right frame of mind for it, it could be a little sleepy. It's not really calm in theme, necessarily, but in sound. The album title refers to the peace talks that they may have settled World War I, but it also helped lead to Hitler and World War II. Not exactly the happiest or the easiest topic, but I thought it sounded pretty good. John Cale himself called this album an example of the nicest ways of saying something ugly. I can definitely see that as being an accurate assessment. You know, it didn't sound 
angry or mean or uh, even very strong on any emotion except maybe sadness but or, or boredom <laughs> no no it was it was quiet but yeah there is definitely something he was going for and it doesn't no it's not happy it's not pleasant but it might sound calm or happy like the title song you know, it's the beginning of side b it was one of the ones that was a little more lively not as soft or as calm no it's not erratic it's not hard rock at all it's still soft rock but it was a little more energetic than some of the others and it did kind of have a happy sound you know even though the topic is not not at all and i should mention that i was already familiar with that song luke loves it he loves this album um and that song is on his playlist so i hear it fairly often and i like it pretty well it is probably my favorite off of the album it's kind of catchy i i also wanted to mention that you know the musicians on the album are very accomplished. They're very talented, and they're well-known as such. So, yeah, the music is good. Like you said, John Cale himself, he was with the Velvet Underground. He produced for lots of other great bands, like the Stooges and Patti Smith. And he does a lot on the album. You listed what he did. You know, it's, it's not just several instruments, but they're also very different instruments. You know, piano, guitar, viola... I guess they're all strings, but playing the piano is not the same as the guitar, which is not at all the same as playing a viola. Those are very different. You know, you've already talked about Wilton Felder, you know, I Want You Back, ABC, Let's Get It On, all great songs, so great bassist. You know, Lowell George and Richie Hayward from Little Feet, the UCLA Symphony Orchestra plays some strings on here. I think you mentioned... The strings being really good. And like you said, Chris Thomas on tambourine. I did look him up because I didn't know that name. He's not really known as a musician, but he is a well-known producer. He was actually invited to play bass with Jimi Hendrix, though, so he's probably alright at playing, too. It's just not what he wanted to go into. But yeah, that's not really about the album specifically, at least not a review of the album, but I did want to mention all of that it does have an impact on the album. As far as the title song, Paris 1919, Luke mentioned that it sounded to him like it could have been a Beatles song. You know, and I could see that, or hear it, whatever. I would say that is a valid thought. You know, again, we do tend to get burnt out on Beatles stuff. Me less than you, but you know, I can kind of see that kind of feel to it. I did like Graham Greene. There was a xylophone or something in the background. It was kind of subtle, but I really enjoyed it. it. It's not on the personnel list or the instrument list, unless it's in the orchestra. But I didn't pick up on a lot of orchestral stuff in Graham Greene other than that. But I did hear that little chimey xylophone type of sound in listening. I really liked it. And... I did also want to mention the bass in Half Past France. I guess that was Wilton Felder. And it was good. It was really good. And 
I know you like bass. It's a little harder for me to hear the bass on a lot of songs. It tends to be a little more in the background, and it's just harder for my ear to pick it out. But it did stand out in that song, and it was really enjoyable. So I wanted to mention that one. I don't think I'm going to go back to any of these songs individually. I'm definitely going to hear Paris 1919 again, since Luke loves it so much and it's on his playlist. Um, but I don't think any of them will end up on my playlist. But I did actually think the album was pretty good throughout. So I'm still going to rate it highly. Fairly highly, anyway. But I want to hear your stars before I give mine, because I feel like mine might be higher than yours, but I don't know. Maybe you'll surprise me. No surprise. Three and a half stars. That's it. And that's me being nice. <laughs> well, I was right. I am going to rate it higher than you. But I was between three and a half and four. I, I felt like three and a half was just a little too low for me, but... I don't know that it's really a four star, so I'm kind of glad you gave it three and a half because I feel like three and three quarters is fair. And I gave it four, so our combined score is going to be three and three quarters. Initially, I gave it two and a half. <laughs> well, I'm glad you went and listened to it again. Two and a half is too low. It two, is better than that. Two and a half for the vocals. <laughs> it wasn't bad. I hate that you hated it so much. <laughs> that's about right that's, a, that's the vocals they drone on so much that's that's the problem with it and then it picks up a, a, like a, like too late it's like man you you've droned on for so long now and i get it it's poetry but it's hard it's a hard album to make it through as an album overall i just can't can't do it so i'll never yeah. listen to this again never <laughs> i'm not looking forward to any more john kale and I'm going to argue vigorously with Luke about his reviews. I can already see this. <laughs> well, that's fine. No, I agree. It I'm was a little you, sleepy. It, it was, you know, if you were already tired, this would not be the album to listen to because you may not make it through side A. I agree with that. But his voice didn't bother me. It was just very calm. <laughs> if you were already tired, if you like good vocals... I mean, there are a few things, but... Nah, I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned Luke, though, because next week is a big episode. All kinds of things. Don't go back and check, because... Trust me on this. <laughs> Unless you want to go back and count 100 episodes. Or 99. This is our 99th episode right now, guys, because next week, this will be, will be our 100th recorded I don't want to say recorded. Maybe we've missed a couple. Who knows? We're going to say next week, though, is our 100th podcast ep episode. Because it will be our 100th set of reviews. So this is episode woo! 100. Yeah, woo, we made it to 100. Have you listened to everything yet, guys? If not, get busy. Why not? Get busy. You need Because you still have these albums you know, to listen to next week, too. So you're going to be busy. <laughs> but next but, week is a good one to be our 100th episode. Yes, it is. It couldn't have fallen on a nicer week. Well, maybe, but it's a pretty nice. Because next week we have one of the uh, gayest re-releases. Oh, no, no, that's just people 
up in arms about that's the prison. just people being stupid no 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 yeah uh we have march 1st 1973 pink floyd the dark side of the moon oh my gosh i could talk about the album right now i've already listened to this album so many times I you may can't get, see me, but I'm doing the Kermit flail. Like, yeah, oh my god! I may, I may get the 50th anniversary. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> As Whoa. I'm dropping everything all over the floor. But uh, we do have Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. We also have Fog Hat, Rock and Roll. I don't know if that's going to be good, honestly, though, because we've listened to a lot of Fog Hat and. We've already listened to Slow Ride. We had Slow Ride already. So, I don't know about that one. So, that may dip down a little bit. But we're going to come right back up. Because March the 2nd, we had Todd Rundgren. A wizard, a true star. I'm already a huge fan of Todd Rundgren. I mean, I wish I could get Ricky Morgan, another one of the uh, another podcasters involved with many podcasts and music as well. But I wish I could get him on talk about uh todd with us because todd runger is one of his favorite artists so he can add some insight that i'm sure we don't even have so that would be nice but yeah we're gonna have todd runger and then we're also gonna have from march 2nd the doobie brothers the captain and me oh my gosh it's gonna be excellent you know what i left out because i saved it for a lap of the last we're gonna have a new segment coming up we're going to have, is it Luke Loves Listening? <laughs> yeah, we're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have he a does Luke, love listening. <laughs> a Luke solo, I know, to the wrong things, John Kell, 1919. But anyway, um, he is going to be reviewing a solo electric light orchestra, ELO2. And I don't know if we did, did we do ELO or did we miss it? I, I mean, I already know. It. I already know Electric Light Orchestra. I'm not a huge fan. I do like some of their stuff. Oh, they're great. Not a huge fan. Well, at least their later stuff is. Yeah, the early stuff. Not a huge fan. I'll just say that. So I don't know how that one's going to go. I don't know ELO 2. Maybe I've heard maybe a song or two off of it. But as a whole album, no, I have not yet. So I'm anxious to see what his thoughts are going to be on that. Because I'm going to listen to it as well. You know, I always do. But, um... So, so we can see... You know, I can see you know how closely will our opinions on that album are going to be but i am going to be talking about fleetwood max penguin it's not a i don't think that's going to be a huge fleetwood mac album we'll see it may surprise me but i don't think so but uh and finally you are going to be talking about mfsb Mother, father, sister, brother. Mm-mm. Don't don't be making any other jokes. I see it on your face. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kenny. So, but yeah, you're going to be talking about and it's self-titled album. So it's going to be a very, very, very packed episode. If everyone is out there listening along, you're going to have a lot of music to listen to, like we always do. Like this episode this week has went really long. So if you make it through this episode, I congratulate you. <laughs> Just like John Kale 1919. Catch us in the re- the back half. It gets better. So 100 episodes next week, guys. But I don't really have anything else to add because we have talked long this week. 
But do you have anything else to add, Amy? No. We've got to get off here so I can go listen to Dark Side of the Moon again. That's probably what I'll start my day with as well. So, everyone out there, like I always say, have a happy, health, healthy, safe week. Be sure to listen to all these great albums. And catch us on Instagram, at Chord Chronicles. Or on, you know, all the podcasts. If you're already listening, you can pick whatever your preferred platform is. Whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher. The list goes on and on. Or we can get you an RSS feed. Or let us know if your preferred listening platform isn't, you know, we don't have Chord Chronicles on there. Because we'll get you. We'll take care of you. So, with that being said... Once had to get it in one more time. I hope everyone does have a happy, healthy, safe week. Be thinking about me because tomorrow's gonna be awesome. And I guess we'll see what the additional things that I have coming up as well are gonna be. But uh, take care, guys, and have a great week. <laughs>